largest pro wrestling events in the country, WrestleCade, returns to Winston-Salem, November 24th to the 26th. Meet your favorite wrestling stars, experience live wrestling events, shop for exclusive wrestling merch and more. Three days of family-friendly fun for fans of all eras during WrestleCade, November 24th to the 26th. Your chance to meet the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. It all goes down at the Benton Convention Center in Winston-Salem. Get your tickets now, WrestleCade.com. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to another great edition of The Binge Buster Show, coming to you right here in the studios of the wrestling capital of the South, Charlotte, NC, the Queen City, the home of the Nature Boy, and of course, yours truly. I'm excited about this week's podcast. Uh, I have got a guest on that uh, I met him at a show a few weeks ago. We got to have a match together, and we created magic, and it was such a such a great, fun match. And, uh, man, I, I cannot wait to uh, get him on the show here, uh, here in just a second and uh, pick his brain and talk about his great, great career and all the uh, things that he's accomplished uh, in such a short period of time in the wrestling business. Uh, and bef- so right now, without any further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest this week, none other than the Kamikaze Conrad. Welcome to the Binge Buster Show, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Tony Benz. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, thank you for the strong put over, baby. Thank you so much. Man, you're welcome. It's it's, it's great to finally uh, be able to do this show with you. Uh, I know it's... Uh, you know, it's, 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 we, we've been playing it for a while, and uh, my schedule, your schedule, kind of gets things thrown off sometimes. But, man, you know, uh, we, we, we finally got it uh, laid out here tonight, and uh, we're going to uh, talk about your career, my career, share some funny stories, share some sad stories, and everything in between. Absolutely, and we all know uh, we're in the business of feelings. So uh, we got everything from happy to happy to sad here and a little bit of funny in between. You know, Tony, it's 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 an absolute pleasure to be on, man. And I, at first, I just want to say thank you, man. man um, thank hey. you for paving the way. We appreciate it. You know, we're all out here working hard, and it's because of guys like you that uh, made the foundation and gave us a spot to do it in. So uh, thank you so much, man. Yeah, yeah no worries, man. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's great, man, to, um, you know, to... Uh, to, to celebrate, you know, years in this business. I know, you know, there's there's a lot of people that uh, come into the wrestling business and they make it and, uh, you know, for a, a long period of time. And you got other ones that make it for a short period of time. And some never even make the cut from the wrestling camp. Um, but I've been lucky yeah. uh, coming up uh, here next, not, not next month, but in August, I will celebrate the big three zero, 30 years uh, and oh, wow. pro wrestling and, uh, but really longer than that, because I started watching pro wrestling probably around 1983. And, uh, my, uh, my, my father and my grandfather introduced me to it. Uh, as, and, and I know a lot of people from the Carolinas, if, if you're from the Carolinas, uh, maybe even Tennessee or who knows wherever, but, uh, but I've always heard a lot of people in the Carolinas talk about, yeah, back when, uh, when I was a little kid, and wrestling came on, 
you were not allowed to speak at grandma and grandpa's house. They'd make you, they'd make you leave. And that was the truth, man. I, I can remember, you know, just a small kid, three or four years old. And, um, uh, my grandfather lived in a little town called Gastonia right outside of Charlotte. And my dad and mom and me would every other weekend, uh, we'd get in the car and, and, uh, my dad, and I guess this is where I get it from. Uh, I always liked to travel and my dad liked to travel. So, uh, my, uh, mother's parents were from the, from the, from the foothills of North Carolina. My dad's family was from Gastonia. So what we would do one weekend, we would drive and visit my mom's parents. And then the next weekend we'd drive and visit my dad's right. family and stuff. And it was like <clears throat> back and forth, but it seemed like we'd always wind up at my grandfather's house, um, around you know the time that mid-atlantic championship wrestling was on tv on saturday right when that bell was about to ring man i can remember coming you know getting there and um i guess the this was probably 19 i know it was 1983 and so i'm like i don't know seven eight years old and like blackjack mulligan and greg valentine and rick flair and all those guys are uh are on mid-atlantic wrestling and we walk in the door i can remember walking in the door and my grandfather, he had had a few strokes, so he was in the bed and wasn't able to talk, you know, wasn't able to, you know, get up and move, but he could talk and he would tell you. He'd say, Listen, wrestling's on, so don't talk. If you're gonna talk, go outside. And if you and if I tell you the second time, you can go to hell home. And that's exactly right. how, how he would he, he, he you know, he'd tell you. And he meant it too. Um but almost, uh, the, almost the religious. Oh yes, man. And and I can remember seeing seeing him, you know grab my my grandmother's ashtray and chunk it at the tv because he was upset <laughs> at what you know the wrestlers were doing they on television oh man yes and uh and so i'm like man but i was like one of those fans and i, I guess and i still am to this day like if i go to a to a live wrestling event i don't get up and scream i don't cheer i don't yell i, I just sit there and watch it almost like a like 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 if you go to japan and those Japanese fans, that's kind of what they do. They just kind of sit there and stare and watch and take just it all in. Sit there. Like, you might get a golf clap or something. Yeah, yeah. But they, they and, like they're studying the product. Exactly, know, like. exactly. And that's kind of the way I was growing up. And, and you know, I never thought about that until I'm just now telling you the story. But maybe that's why I was able to take um, and, and learn the craft so easily is because when I was a little kid and my dad would take me to the wrestling matches – I would just watch and I didn't cheer. I didn't boo. I just sat in my seat. I kept my mouth shut and I just watched and I took it all in. Yeah. And I took, I took it all in. Right. But I remember that why now that you're saying that it makes so much sense when those old timers are screaming at you in training. Yeah. Make every movement count. Yes. Yes. You make every movement mean something. And, and, you know, when I first started out training, um, I wasn't a very big guy. I was like 130 on a good day. Um, but like I picked up on. Well, you're on, what, by about a buck 40 now then? Man, I wish I was. <laughs> if I was a buck 40, <laughs> man, I could go 10 more years, you know. But, um, right. but, uh, but I can remember, you know, working Jimmy Valiant for the first or second time and, and him telling me, Tony, you get more out of a bump than most people, most big guys I know. And he goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, all right, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. It just came natural. And like, I remember like 
when I was first learning to take the bump, I hit my head every time, every time, every time. And I was getting frustrated out and I want, I really wanted to quit. Like I was, I, cause I'm, I'm one of those kind of people. Uh, and I still am to this day, but I'm real, I'm real keyed up. So like, if I, if I want, if I want to do something, I want to learn something. I want to learn it now. I want to learn everything. Now I have no patience. Right. I have no patience. My mom and dad used to tell me every time I was a kid, you know, my dad would say, Rome wasn't built in the day, son. So you're going to have to have patience. Um, and I'm like, well, Rome's what already. Statement. I'm like, well, Rome's already built, so I, I don't have no patience, you know. <laughs> like, who gives a shit about Rome? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, so that that's kind of what person I was. I didn't learn. I, I didn't understand when I was younger that you slow down. You know, it, so it took me a minute to learn that. But but like once I got the bumps down and learned how to do them, I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I'm a smaller guy, so for for me to go straight down on my back. It don't really make no sense. It makes more sense if when I go down, if instead of going down at one time, now I'm really opening up the door here for people that aren't wrestlers. But when I, when I go to take my bump, you know, most guys take it flat down. Well, when I go to, down to my bump, I go back first, and then I go right elbow, left foot, left elbow, right foot. But I do it like almost like drummers do triplets. You know, like that. So right. when and I go down, yeah. So so when I take the bump, it ain't just like boom. It's like boom, you know. And it's and and it right. makes it louder. You're and, different sound. Yes, and it, but it makes it look like oh my god, you know, this guy wasn't just really just falling on his back. Like he got knocked he got down his, his legs and his feet and his are flaying all over the place. And then ragdolled. Yeah. yeah, and then one day I learned that. I can get, I can take a bump on my back and bounce to my stomach, and that makes it look even even better. And and oh, I, no. and and I do that sometimes too. Not all the time anymore. I'm older and fatter, but 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 years ago when I was younger, uh, I, that, that's how I'd always take all my bumps. And uh, so it was crazy, but you know, but Tony, it, it's all about the seasoning on the steak, baby. You want the sizzle? Mm-hmm. You you already gave us the steak in your twenties. Nowadays we're getting we're getting more of the sizzle, baby. We're getting more, you know, we're getting more of the seasoning, that that well seasoned veteran grizzled grizzledness. Yes, yes. Uh, but but you, you but get you more know, out of your bumps now because you've taken a million. Well, you know, it, it goes back to um, one of the things I, I one of my biggest regrets right now is I'm trying to get back there and I'm working hard at it, but. Uh, for a lot of years, I was working with a, a lot of matches with these older veterans who weren't taking bumps. And then I got to the point where I'm like, well, shoot, why do I, you know, why do I need to take a bump? You know? Um, and so I kind of stopped taking bumps and I kind of, you know, got, I wouldn't say lazy, but I was looking for other ways to get bump. Yeah. I was trying, you know, I, I, and, and, and plus it probably goes back to, you know, like, I remember when I was um, 20s to 35 uh, working, I would take any any bump anybody want to give me. Slam off the top, yeah, I'll take it. Superplex, yeah, I'll take it. Power bump, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I got you. Until one night, um, a guy bigger than me, muscled up than me, taller than me, uh, said, hey, uh, what are you going to do tonight? I said, man, I said, I've been doing this spot for 20 years. I said, uh we get in the ring and we work a little bit. I said, you shoot me in the corner. I do the Ric Flair flip over. I run to the other side. I look at the people. 
I got him now. And when I turn around, you're right there to catch me and you throw me off and I'll take the big, the big bump. And he's like, yeah. Oh man, I love it. Sounds great. And I didn't think to ask him, do you know how to do that? Cause I'm thinking, I'm assuming, you know, I made the mistake of assuming that everybody knew how to Absolutely. protect each other, you know? And so uh, I should have known at the beginning that I was in trouble when he shot me in the corner I did the flip over. I look at the people. And I said, I got him now. And I look over and he's still on the other side of the ring. I should have known then <laughs> no. not, not to take the bump, but I'm like, oh, I got to do this bump. You know, I got to get that big pop. Right. And, uh, so I said it again to the people, I got him, I got him, I got him now. And I look over and he's still across the ring. Well, by this time I got a little hot and I said, Hey idiot, come slam me. So, he, right. come, so he comes over to get me to slam me. And when he goes to slam me, instead of, instead of, you know, because I'm jumping out, and instead of him right. jumping, you know, turning me just to, to land him, yeah, he didn't do right. that. He launched me. So, oh, no. uh, so in my mind, on your oh, dude, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be great because I, I, I mean, I'm I'm really up there. I can tell I'm I'm up in the sky. This, this is going to be a big bump, you know. <laughs> and then next thing I know, man, the lights are out, and I'm oh, like. No. Coming to, going out, coming to, going out. And uh, finally, I'm like, dude, we got to go home. I can't feel my legs. And he says, well, I got to. Oh, yeah. And I said, just cover me and pin me. And he's like, well, no, I I, I got to do my stinger uh, stinger death drop. So he picks me up, this idiot. And as, oh. and as he's giving me the stinger death drop, I'm cussing him out. And I'm trying to throw a punch in his face, but, but my arms don't. <laughs> my but, but my arms aren't working. And, um, oh my lord, so, Tony, that's scary. Oh, dude, drops me on my head. You know, not only drops me on my head, but then he drops me on my head again for the stinger drop. And mm-hmm. take the pin, you know, and uh, I ref- the referee helps me to the dressing room. And I lay there on the, in the floor in the locker room for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. And I thought, well, maybe if I go take a shower, let the water, because by this time I'm starting to get a little bit of my feeling back in my in my legs. But I couldn't, oh I couldn't move my neck. It was straight, and I couldn't move it. And so I took a shower. I still couldn't move it. So in my wrestling gear, boots on and everything, I get out to the car with my girlfriend at the time, and she drives me two hours because I'm thinking, I know my neck's broke. I don't want to be in South Carolina. Take me back to North Carolina. And uh, so, so I make it back to North Carolina. They put me in the hospital. I kayfabe to the hospital what really happened to my neck. I, t- I tell them that I fell off my deck, um, hey, you know, and uh, they're, like, they're like, oh, okay. But um, anyway, so end up, they, they do the MRI, the, the, the x-ray. Turns out I have a uh, sprained shoulder, uh, uh, neck, shoulder, and rotator cuff. So all three of those are done. Uh, give me some really good drugs and send me home. And I spend the next two weeks on my couch, not getting up off my couch other than to go to the bathroom. And I said, I'll never wrestle again. I'm done. This is it. Right. And as soon as I got the feeling back in my neck, I was calling the promoters back. Hey, I, I'm over injured now. Man, I'm ready. <laughs> it was like a drug, man. You, you can't stop and I was it. just saying that. You know? uh, I'm so thankful to, to have wrestling in my life that just speaking on that, like the, you just said, you just, you just nailed it on the head. Um, I'm actually a lot of something that a lot of people don't know about me. I'm actually uh, celebrating almost uh, two years of sobriety and wrestling is helping me accomplish that in full force. That's just awesome. by 
being that drug for me. Does that make sense? Oh, like yeah. you just said. Yeah. It's filling that void Listen, in uh, my life mm -hmm. where I had these drugs, you know, back when I was using. Yeah. And now I have wrestling again, you know? Oh, and, and I, it's it's just it's yeah. the greatest gift. It is. I'm man. so grateful. It is. I, I'm telling you because you know, I I have had a different type of addiction, but I know where you're coming from. Um, right. Hey, listen, uh, when when I was a young man, 19, 20 years old, uh, my favorite wrestler was Ric Flair. So by me telling you that, that would explain to you what right. my addiction was for the next uh, 20, 30 years. Uh, yes. explains why I went through so many relationships and divorces. And, you know, I, I, I used to tell my... Taught you some things, huh? Well, it did, but here's the thing, man. When I when I was, um, and I'm not proud of this, but it's just it's a fact of life. But when I was married before, not now, but my my previous marriage, uh, I was I was married. I was a traveling salesman on the side, uh, or, you know that 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 was my full time job, traveling salesman. I was a wrestler and I was a wrestling promoter, so I was doing f all four of those things at the same time. And then we'd, and, and uh, yeah. And, and then, so like I'm a traveling salesman, I'm wearing a, you know, wearing nice clothes and, and, you know, looking like a, a million dollars to try to sell, uh, you know, machine parts. And I'm traveling North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, Alabama, Georgia. So I'm on the road a lot and I'm like, uh, 25 years old. So the hormones are raging. I'm a good looking guy. I'm going in and out of these different plants and hosiery mills and I'm seeing a ton of women, and it got to the point where I, I was talking to women on, you know, there. And then in the wrestling business, I'd we uh, I, I, I'd wrestle every every weekend, and I'd you know find look look in the crowd, and it, it, it dude, it was at the point where a lot of the boys were like. Lock up your wives. Tony Bench is on the show. <laughs> it was the Rizats, man. They were they 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 were my they were my addiction, and um, and it was crazy. But you heard it you heard it here live, folks, oh, on the Bench Buster Show. I'm telling you, listen, Ric Flair Ric Flair had nothing on me, brother. I'm telling you, it was oh, wow. it was it was bad. But um, but you know, I got over that. But but it took me a long time, and even the wrestling was what kind of helped fuel that fire back in the 90s the wrestling business is at least from my perspective is a lot different now than it was then because now now if, if you're on a show and you look out and you see a good looking girl well you know she ain't there by herself she's she was one of the boys so just don't just yeah. don't just leave her alone you know but i mean I'm, I'm but you know i do that now anyway i'm married man and and uh and you know i have a family and 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 I and I've been down that road, and I don't want to go down that road again. So, you know, I I, I keep. Well, I, I thank the good Lord that you are a married man now, and you are on the straightened path because uh, I got a girlfriend, Tony. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, <laughs> no, no, I, I you know, all like things, I said, all things are out the window. They're they're done now. They're done now. But uh, we want to talk about uh, um, uh, ring stories. Uh, you were talking about what you just said—the broken, the broken neck, um, or the you—you you thought you had broken your neck. Yeah, I had attended a, a seminar with Ricky Morton, and I, I was blessed to to attend one of his seminars. And he, the first thing he said is, "What are you guys going to do?" Oh no, he said, "Uh, how many y'all have kids?" And you know, like ninety percent of the guys raised their hands. How many you got wives? Fifty percent of the guys raised their hands. 
He said, what the hell are you going to do if uh, Joe Blow over here drops you on your head and breaks your neck tonight? You know, there ain't no insurance here. There ain't Mm -hmm. no insurance here for you boys. There ain't no nothing. You know, there ain't no union. There ain't no nothing backing you up. We got to, this. it's on us as uh, brothers in this business to protect each other, you know, and and you were dependent on that gentleman, whoever uh, he was to protect you and to keep you safe uh, that night. And he sure as hell didn't, you know, first of all, he screwed up the spot terribly. And second of all, you know, he he hurt you on top of it and then picked you up when you instructed him not to. And, you know, that's just the, that's, that's, it blew my mind how, how out of, how out of whack that dude was, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, the crazy thing was, you know, and, and I was always taught, but Jimmy Vay, he always tell you, from the moment you lock up with somebody, you know whether whether or not they can work, and you know whether or not to trust them. Well, our match, we didn't lock up. We went right into this. You know, I attacked him from behind, and boom, 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 and uh, that, and I, and I now, you know, uh, well, you know, like, like, like now, I can talk to guys in the back. And, you know, before my match and know, okay, yeah, I'm okay. Or no, maybe I'm not okay. Yeah, um, vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but also, you know, if, and, and if I'm still second guessing myself and like, okay, I'm not, he's giving me good vibes, but I'm still not sure. Then, then I will, you know, lock up in the ring. But, um, but, uh, but, but, you know, for, but for the most part now I can tell by five minutes, 10 minutes talking, going over the matches with the guy and I, I, you know, that I'm, I'm okay or, Maybe I need to change something up, um, but because of that injury, um, I, that I guess that was kind of when I stopped trusting any you know most people in the business, and right. that's when I stopped taking big bumps. I stopped taking suplexes, and um, and so now it's like the bumps I take are the bumps I can control. So I can control right. I can control the hip toss because I'm doing the work. I can control the body slam. I'm doing the work. But I'm not right. letting many people. Definitely not letting anybody. You know, this is this, this isn't against anybody. It's just me, my own preference. But and it goes back to what you said about the insurance and getting hurt. But um, belly to back suplexes. They ain't there. Ain't but one person in a wrestling business that I I'm, I I would work, work a match with that I would take a belly to back suplex from, and that's George South. And it's because he's gave me some before, so I know how to take them. But <laughs> but but the belly to back suplex has always that that move's always scared me because I'm like you know if a guy doesn't know how to pick you up the right way and take you back the right way, you're gonna land on your head and you're gonna break your neck, and that's just what's gonna happen. But um, <laughs> but, but but now but now I say that and 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 th- th- this goes back to a funny story. So when I was running my wrestling camp, um, my wrestling school, uh, th- this was like uh, uh, this was like 1996, 97. ECW was really big. It was starting to bloom, and every wrestler that came to my school, I'm teaching old school, and all everybody come there. I want to run a Taz gimmick. I want to run of this gimmick. It was always some ECW <laughs> guy, and I'm like, listen. And if it wasn't for these guys, I never would even know what ECW was, but. Anyway, um, so this guy comes in, and and uh, I, I didn't have like two or three guys come in and say they wanted to, you know, do an ECW gimmick, and so I'm like, guys, listen, you're not gonna go anywhere being somebody that's already on TV. You gotta be different. If you're not different, then you're not you're not you're not gonna get noticed. So I, I used to always teach that in, at my wrestling camp. Well, this one day, 
one of my old high school classmates was there, and he says, uh, I'm going to run a Taz gimmick. And I was like, okay, this guy wants to be a Taz. I'll let him be Taz. So this day we were uh, working headlock takeovers, headlock takeovers. And so me and my cousin at the time, and he, he, he has since quit wrestling, but uh, but he and I, we used to have a great, great match together. A lot of the guys used to always tell me that he and I are the second coming of Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair because he and I could work spots and not even call it like like I like I knew where he was going, he knew where I was going, and we just didn't have to talk. But um, yeah. So so he and I would run the spot where we'd lock up, and he'd snatch a headlock, and I'd shoot him in the ropes, and he'd hit me with shoulder tackle, and then. Uh, then he'd hit the ropes and come up and give me another shuttle tackle. And then when he hit the other side, I would drop down, cross over, crisscross. I'd drop down. He, then, then he'd cross over, and I'd come up, and he'd reverse it, shoot me in again, give me another shoulder tackle, two more tackles. Then he'd drop down. I'd cross over. He'd come up and give me a hip toss, an arm drag, and a drop kick. And we'd do that spot a million times. It would be brr, just really fast. And these, these yeah. new guys come in. They were like, oh, my God. Are we gonna learn how to do this? Right. You know, but it, but it's because he, but it's because he and I had done that so many times. So right. so he and I had done that spot, and then instead of going and, and so and so then um, after he gave me the drop kick and I took the bump, instead of rolling out of the ring, I would I came I got back up and I charged him, and then he swung for a for a uh, clothesline and I ducked and come around behind him and. Scooped him up for the ability back suplex and ability back or scooped him up for ability back suplex, but I gave him an atomic drop and then he took a bump over the top rope and then we stopped the the spot and I told her, "Sorry guys, we're gonna do this spot, but not all those moves." So I'm so I'm doing all these all these spots with these guys and you know and they drop kick me, I take the bump, come up, do the clothesline, they duck and I come up and give them atomic drop. But then I get to this guy who wants to be a wants to run a Taz gimmick. Now here's Here where. Yeah, he's going to be Taz, and I was going to stuff him with a belly-to-back suplex. And <laughs> But what I didn't think about at the time was him panicking. So when I picked him up for the belly-to-back suplex, I spun around up, up in midair and dropped him. And when I went to drop him, he's, he's cussing me on the way down, and I said, just tuck. And what I wasn't expecting, though, was – as we took the bump, he tensed up, and as soon as we both hit the mat, his knee came straight back right into my nose, and hit me oh, in the nose. Boy. And I and and Conrad, it felt like my nose went from the middle of my face to the right side of my ear, like it was it was <laughs> bad. And all the guys started laughing, and I'm like, "Well, y'all laughing? I'm hurt, you know." And but but my cousin and two other guys, they knew what I was doing with this guy. They knew I was trying to play with him pick with him but um but 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 it goes back to those to what i'm saying like you know if 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 you're in the business and you know and you're um you know you're you're not familiar on how to take a bump or how to give that bump don't do it because you know all it takes is one one split second of a wrong move and you're 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 done forever you're absolutely correct man um it's, it's not exactly a horror story, but what is a horror story? It's my, my first match ever. Um, I was going to camp. Uh, it was in uh, Minot, North Dakota. And I was going to the wrestling training camp there. And they were right. It was before the show. The ring was set up and they were running camp. 
And uh, one of the boys was having a, a medical issue. I, I think it was uh, something to do with diabetes or his sugar was low. He wasn't feeling good. So they go, uh, you know, Conrad, uh, you're up. First match, 10 minutes, you're going over. I'm like, okay, awesome. My first match, I'm ready. I got my gear. I, I go out there. I duck the first line. I turn around and I go, oh, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. And the dude... Uh, we're staring at each other. I had missed the spot. He throws a rolling elbow, and I swear all I seen was an elbow pad, and I woke up on getting picked up off the mat. Yep. I got knocked out I got knocked out cold in my first wrestling match in front of a live crowd, and boy, was it totally embarrassing, but it was like what I needed in the weirdest way. Yep. As soon as he was picking me up off the mat, it was like, oh, okay. I, rem- I remembered everything. And, and it was, I went over in the end. I mean, I know winning's not everything, but for a promoter to put you over in the first match, it really it, it meant a lot to me. And it, it meant, it, it, oh, it was a terrible, terrible situation, but it ended, it ended well. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you another story about, you talk about being hurt in your first match. So, um, Back in December of 93, now I had started, like I said, I started my training um, in August of 93. Um, and I, I never had my first my actual first match on TV until like early 90. No, yeah, like January of 90, 94. But, you know, the first few months I'm training. And um, so... I'm working up in Morganton and, uh, are training up in Morganton, North Carolina and, uh, Motown. Yeah. Motown, Glen Alpine, actually a little small town outside of Morganton. They, uh, the, uh, uh big Donnie that we know and, and a few of his friends had, got, had gotten together and they had this ring and they had it set up at the Amvets club and they were doing training there. And, but they had a guy there and I'm not going to say his name because, uh, I just don't want his name on my podcast, but, um, but uh, he, he at first at first they kind of had him in charge of training, but th- this guy wasn't training anybody. He was trying to run people off, like he was, you know he he was like beating beating guys up just just to get He's them trying to, to collect some money. Yeah, 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 just get them to quit or whatnot, you know. And now, 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 now I'm proud to say this. I'm proud to box, yeah. Now I'm proud to say this because uh, when that wrestling camp started in August, there was a whole lot of people there. There was um. God, there had to be at least 10, 10, 10, 10 to 15 guys in that wrestling camp. And they were all shapes and sizes and ages and everything else. And, um, but, uh, but all those guys in there and I, and I was in there, uh, with them. Um, I can honestly say, and I'm not bragging. It's going to sound like I'm bragging on myself, but I'm really not. I'm just saying the, the fact of the matter, when you have something in your heart and you believe in it, 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 and you and you don't give up on yourself. You know it's going to happen. But um, but but of all those guys that was in that camp, um, only one of them had a heart, um, and and had wrestling in their blood, and that was me because all of them quit, but me. Right. And 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 I was like one of the first ones to get hurt. Now I don't know if the other ones got hurt. I I I, I don't know their story. All I know is one day I'm coming to camp and there's 10 or 15 and then I come back and there's four or five and then I come back and it's just me. And, and that, and that's kind of the way it went. And of course, in that training guy, he was gone. He was long gone from there, but, 
um, by the time I got to the end of it. But one day he's in there and it's like uh, I was starting to notice that the bigger guys when he when he do the teach them how to hit the ropes and and take an elbow, um, he was being very light with that elbow. But when me and the smaller guys were hitting that rope and coming off, man, he was he was he was laying that elbow right in our chest pretty hard, and right. and I couldn't understand it. But at the time, but then as I got older and started realizing some of these people, you know, some of the older people's mentality, uh, you know, it came to the point where um, I, he didn't want me there because of my size, because I was only like 130 pounds. Now, even though I was learning to wrestle, it didn't mean I had to wrestle. I mean they. I'm learning to take the bump, learning how to work. They could have made me a manager, and I'd have been okay with that. They could have made right. me a referee. A I, whatever. I, I'd have been okay with that. Right. I just wanted to be in the business. But at this point, you were hungry. I, I'm like, I'm going to wrestle. Somehow, somehow, some way, I'm going to wrestle. And that's how it was, was going to be. Um, but but this particular day, and it was um, it was December the, uh, the 26th. It was 1993, day after um, uh, Christmas. Um, I went up there that Sunday to um, to uh, to train, and he's like, "All right, guys, today I'm going to teach y'all how to take suplexes from the outside of the apron in." Okay, cool, let's do it. And and to this day, I still don't know how it happened, other than the fact it was intentional. So he grabs me, the suplex me in. We're I'm taking the suplex. I'm coming down, and when we hit when we hit the mat. I got an elbow in the eyeball. Now, how in, oh, the, how in the heck did he go from suplexing me to dropping an elbow into my eyeball when we took the bump? You know, it's not possible. He wants his elbow there. Yeah. Right. He meant to do it, right? Um, right. So I get this big black eye, whatever. Well, now at this time, I'm 19 years old. I'm keyed up. I'm, I'm, I'm a pro wrestler now, right? And so right. the very next day, which was December the 27th, uh, me and another wrestler there, uh, who turned out to be a really good friend of mine, um, uh, he wrestled as as uh, back then his name was the uh, the uh, professor, but um, but his real name is James. So uh, he and I went to Starcade '93 that was being held in Charlotte, and that was the Starcade. Oh, where, cool! That, yeah, that's the Starcade where Flair wrestled Vader, uh, you know, for the title. And um, but I remember, man, I, I forgot I had this black eye and. I'm walking around, you know, the building. This is 1993. I got my fanny pack, you know, like, like all wrestlers do. Got my fanny pack on, and and I'm walking around, you know, big. I'm you know 130 pounds, but I, in my mind I was six foot eight, 275 pounds, Lex Luger size. But I'm walking around, you know, the Coliseum, and I see these girls staring at me, and I said, James, I said those girls know I'm a wrestler, man. They're checking me out. He says, Nah, dude, they're checking out your black eye. I was like, oh, oh yeah. Oh. I was like, you're right. I forgot about that, you know. But <laughs> you're probably but, looking at this nice shiner I got. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I was like, I was like, James, check us out, man. I said, I think the girls know I'm a wrestler. They're they're staring at me. He goes, brother, they're staring, at you, they're staring at your black eye, trying to figure out what, what the hell happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, what a deal. Awesome. But, but it was just funny. Was, but but it goes back to those to those you know back to those days, man of um. You know, the strong will survive, <laughs> and that's kind of how it well, was. You're then. right, man. Look at you, thirty years deep, Tony. Thirty yeah, years deep. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, just so happy. you know what that is, as old George South would say, one of my favorite person people in this whole entire world, Mister Number One, George South. 
they weeded out the goofs. Yeah, that's that's true. And and it's it's so funny you say that. Uh, the last show, uh, you know that, or the show that you know you and I worked together on. Uh, me and Donnie, uh, Big Donnie, we were back there talking, and I, and Donnie said, "Brother, he's like, you remember in 1993 when uh, when you came up and joined us in in the BCW and started your training?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Who would have thought after all these years?" The smallest guy and the biggest guy, we're we're, we're still here. Everybody else is gone. I said, "Yep, they're all gone, brother. Uh, they they've all, you know, they, they they've either retired or they've uh, I don't know what happened to them. You know, MIA. But some but, of them are probably dead and gone. Rest in peace. Man, yeah, you know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, you never it's know. Fast business. You know, you know, and it's so funny now, man. Like, like I don't, I I don't think about it. it, it not think it doesn't seem like I've been in the business 30 years. It doesn't seem like I've been wrestling for 30 years. And what's so funny is like, I'll be on a show and some guy will come up to me and he'll say, Hey, Tony, he's like, do you remember me? Uh, yeah, brother. I remember you now. I probably don't, but I'm saying, yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like, uh, I had you in my first match. Uh, and, and then I was like, Oh yeah. And then, then it comes back to me and I remember I'm like, Oh yeah. And, and I'll never forget, uh, there's there a guy who's been around the business for a long time. And, uh, I was on a show with him a couple of summers ago and, and he, he, he said the same thing. He said, Tony, he said, man, he said, uh, he said, I had you in my second match. And I said, man, that's been a long time ago. He said, yeah. He said, he said, but, but he goes, but thank you, man. He said, he said, you taught me a lot in that, in that one match. And I'm like, I just, I, I just do what I feel. And I, and I'm, I'm just me, man. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, a lot of wrestlers, well, not wrestlers, but the wrestling business is based off ego and based off of I'm better than you, you're better, I'm better, nobody's better, nobody's better, nobody's better. But at the end of the day, um, you're only as good as that promoter will let you be. And that, and that's right. and that's what a lot of guys, a lot of younger guys today don't understand is the fact that, you know, you you may know how to do a hurricane rana and you might can do a three fifty over you know whatever it's called off the top rope right. you can go through a hundred thousand tables take a million bumps all none of that matters unless you're over with that promoter <laughs> and that's the bottom line man because or you know like it's the same from way back in the day the the people that are over and need in all the territories were the booker or the or the promoter yes you know. And I mean, and that's why uh, tag teams like the Rock and Roll Express got over so well because they could be, they could get that push because they they didn't have to be a singles and be against a booker or a promoter mm -hmm. to be a top guy. You know, you didn't have to battle for that spot. You could be a top top babyface tag team in the territory and not hurt anybody's feelings or step on anybody's toes. Yep, but uh, I've I've heard Ricky Morton tell the story, and 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 I'm not knocking somebody who's no longer around. But uh, Ricky Morton uh, and and Robert Gibson both have, and I've I've heard both of them say, you know, uh, in the '80s when they was working for Crockett, it was great to be over, but never get more over than Dusty Rhodes because when you do that, you, and that's that's when you get trouble because uh, Dusty's not gonna let nobody get more popular than him, and that's and right. and, and and I've I've heard more than one, I've heard more than one babyface tag team say that. That's the reason Ricky Steamboat went to WWF in nineteen eighty four was because uh he, he was, he, was the, he was the top baby face and then Dusty took over booking 
and wrote him down on the mid card. And, uh, yep. and, 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 and Ricky Steamboat says, no matter how good you are, you'll never be able to beat that Booker's pen. And, and that's the truth. I mean, you know, that's the truth. The most powerful tool in the wrestling business, it, the eraser. It's more powerful than Iron Sheik's uh, loaded boot or Terrific Tony's uh, gimmick Alvey's tights. One of the two. And they, neither, one of them are, neither one of them are stronger than that pencil. But, uh, but, but what I've always learned with promoters is um, I never come in and, and brown nose and uh, try to put myself over. I, I always learned that, that, and Boogie always taught me this, that the promoter's your boss. So if, that, if you walk in the door and that promoter says, I want you to wear a dress tonight, then you say, yes, sir, because he's paying you to, 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 do, right. to do what he wants to do on his show. To perform a job. Yeah, and you know I don't care. Um, and you know when I first started wrestling, I hey I I, I would have wore makeup and dress and whatever it took to to, to be able to be a wrestler, uh, if that's what it uh-huh. meant, you know, because I wanted it that bad. But now I'm at the point in my career where I've been doing this for thirty years. I don't want to be, uh, you know, I could care less whether I was the heavyweight champion or a tag team champion or whatever. I just want to be able to, uh, to help the younger guys get better. And and that's that's my goal. My goal is if I can, you know, if I never win another match the rest of my career, I'm okay with that. As long as yeah. I'm working a younger guy that I can teach him something about the business and, and make him shine as bright as I can make him shine, then that right there to me is, is more – uh, it, it it gives me more joy than if I won the championship belt. Does that make sense? Brother, it's not about who wins. It's about who gets over. And it's about helping and leaving it better than you found it. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I feel like, and I'm not being braggadocious when I say this, but I feel like uh, that, that I've done that. And, um, and, 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 and as long as, as I can still keep my, <laughs> get, get my cardio back up to where it used to be, uh, I'm going to continue doing that uh, until I decide I don't want to do it anymore. But, uh, but I know when you know going back to our last show that you and I done together, um, I get there and um, you know I was supposed to be working somebody else, and uh, they canceled right. the booking. You know they canceled the booking, which is it happens. You know nobody, I've canceled booking before. It happens. Things come up in your life, right. and um, and and so. Uh, the the promoter, Mr. Elliot, sends me a, a message and says, you know, so-and-so has canceled, but uh, I, I don't know who you're going to work, uh, but I'll, I'll find somebody. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and then he sends me a message and tells me I'm going to be working you. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. And uh, I said, have I met this guy before? And he goes, he goes, uh, I don't know. He says, uh, he says, I, I don't know who you know, <laughs> you know, and, and just, you know, just, 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 you know, just being funny or whatnot. And, uh, he said, uh, he said, just, uh, just, just, just make them shine, man. Just make them shine. I said, I said, I got it. No worries. Um, and then I, I, and and I have a manager and then of course, uh, he got hurt at work and he canceled. So, uh, so my opponent got, got canceled. My, my manager got canceled. So I'm like, okay, great. Whatever. Uh, you know, it's, it's still going to be fun. And then I got to the, got to the building and right, right before you come up and introduce yourself to me, uh, Big Donnie came up to me and said, hey, uh, he's like, don't worry, Tony. He says, the kid you're working with tonight, he goes, you guys are going to have a great match. 
And uh, I said, okay, I said, I'm looking forward to it. Then you come around and introduce yourself. And the way that you came up to me, and I'm, and, and I won't say this on the podcast because I, because I, I want other people, other, you know, to, to realize how important this is. Um, but going in like me I, and, and I've been wrestling for a long time and I, I can have a good match with anybody, but, but if I've never been in the ring with you, I always like second guess myself, I guess, or, or second guess the match. Um, I understand. But from the moment you walked up and the way you introduced yourself to me and the amount of respect that you showed to me that you didn't, that you didn't have to give me, you didn't have to, to show me, but you chose to, and you did in the way that you handled yourself. Uh, I knew from that moment, I didn't have to lock up with you. I didn't have to go over the match with you. I knew that we were going to have a good match just by the way you approach me. And, and it's been a long time. And I can tell you that a long time. If I I can't remember (laughs) really, to be honest with you, the last time that, um, that I, that I'd seen that amount of respect and the, the amount of, um, of, of just, just the way that you handled yourself and and I even went over to Donnie and, and after that and I said Donnie I can't wait to work this kid I said I think this is going to be a really good match and um, and of course it was we went out there and uh, you know we, okay. we we went over a couple of things now uh, other than <laughs> other than I apologize to you on uh, there a billion times I apologize to you a gazillion more time I promise you the next time we work at your I will not go eat Japanese and have pinto beans <laughs> before the match I apologize for that. But boy, boy that was rough. Gentlemen, if if you're listening to this match, don't <laughs> let don't let Tony call the finish. <laughs> it's deadly. <laughs> that was a shitty finish, let me tell you. No pun intended. <laughs> so 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 let me let, let me paint this picture for the crowd and, and I can't believe I'm telling the story on the podcast, but it's funny and it, and it needs to be told. So so earlier that day, uh normally, normally, and I and I've been doing this for thirty years. But normally, I don't eat before I wrestle. I just never have. Jimmy Vag, right. Boogie always taught me, you know, don't eat a large meal, you know, the day of the day of your matches, and definitely don't eat before you go out to the ring, uh, and make sure you're hydrated and drink plenty of water or Gatorade. Um, right. So, um, but early that day, like eleven o'clock, uh, my wife goes, "Hey." Uh, my mother and my daughter and uh, my daughter's friend—they're they're—they want to go to this restaurant. It's like a family, you know, like a family cooking type restaurant. Uh, you want to go with us? And I'm thinking, sure. But then I remembered that um, I was supposed to meet my old tag team partner and Big Donnie and and my old partner's brother. We all used to wrestle together, so they all wanted to get together because they hadn't seen me in a long time. And I haven't seen them. And they want to go out to eat before the show. And um, right. and I'm like, okay. And I said, where are we going? They, well, let's try this Japanese place. I'm like, okay. So when I went out to eat with my wife, I'm looking at this menu. And I'm like, well, I'm having Japanese in like five hours. So I'll eat light. So I'll just get some vegetables. So I told the lady, I'll just have some pinto beans and some green beans. That's all I want. And those pinto beans were delicious, right? So I had the pinto beans. <laughs> And then after I ate them, I said, oh, shoot, wait a minute. I got to do a match tonight. Probably not a good idea to do these pinto beans. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll get rid of them before the show and I'll be okay. And I did. I was like, okay, I'm good, you know. 
So then, so then I'm like, okay, great. So then I, I felt good. I drank Gatorade on the way to the show, um, or, or on the way to the building. I get to the building. I go in there. I cut my promo because I had to, had to do some promos. I go in and cut two promos. Get done the promos. Donnie comes over to me and says, "Hey, you ready to go eat?" Yeah, sure. So we go eat. Go to this Japanese restaurant and I have um, hibachi steak and mushrooms and rice. And I have a small portion and I eat it. And I still got two hours before my match. So I'm thinking, I'll be fine. You know, I, I know it ain't going to bother me. And, um, but what got me was when we, uh, when me and the um, B&B were fighting over the chair, um, at that point, my stomach started gurgling. And I said, <laughs> dear Lord, this match has got to go. We got to take this match home. So I'm glad he's out here. So we do the fighting over the chair. And when I pull the chair from him, I hit myself in the stomach. And at that <laughs> point, it forced my stomach to, to dislodge this big air bubble that was there. And it was like uh, one of the longest uh, silent farts in the world that kept coming out. And I said, Oh God. And then the, and then it hit me. This poor guy's got to give me the schoolboy. So, so, oh, no. so as you schoolboy me, I hear you go, brother, did you shit your pants? <laughs> <laughs> and I was so mortified and embarrassed. I'm like, oh, I was like, I was clenching it up, man. I was trying not to go. And I said, not, I not yet. And I hear the referee go, I hear the referee go, yeah, I think you did. And then I get the one, two, three count. And then I hear a fan say, my God, what's that smell? <laughs> and as I'm sitting in the ring, all it's like a green fog over my face, you know? And I was right. going to, I was going to get up and argue with the BNB over him grabbing the chair and costing me my match. But I knew if I stood up, I was going to shit my pants. And I knew that bathroom was far away. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then I get back to the dressing room, and I'm having a panic attack, a legit panic attack, fans, because the bathroom, I knew at that point I had to go through the sea of people, and I had more heat than I than I wanted to have, and I knew I might get attacked going to the bathroom. And I also knew that going to the bathroom, I might get stopped by an occasional fan to tell me I did a great job as a heel. And I get that from time to time. And so I'm like, oh, I got to get to the bathroom. So I'm laying on the back of the trailer. I know you come back there and, brother, you okay? Need some water? No, I don't need no water. I don't need nothing. And then Donnie reaches over and he pats me on the stomach. And that was like, oh, no, don't do that. And then, yeah, and then Mr. Elliot, the promoter, comes back there, and he's like, "You need to drink Gatorade. You need to drink Gatorade. You're, because you're, you're, I was breathing hard, but I was, but I was having a panic attack because I really thought I was going to crap my pants with my <laughs> with my singlet on before I made it to that bathroom. And then once, and then so once, it was bad, man. And worse, yeah. I'm telling you what, in the 30 years I've wrestled, I have never had that problem. I've, that has never happened to me." Although I've never eat pinto beans and Japanese food at the same time, you know, within hours of each other on the same day either. But um, but I want to apologize to you. I'm sorry about that, and hopefully our next match won't be Brother, so shitty. But <laughs> the, <laughs> the best story ever. I love it. It was the it, I had the best time. It was so fantastic. Thank you so much, Tony. You're for but uh, you know, on but on a uh, on a positive note. 
be thankful it was just a fart because yes because I have seen I have been in matches where another guy gets blown up and puked on another guy. I have seen that happen. I have seen that happen. So uh never happened to me, but I have seen another guy puke on another guy as he's going down no, for the story. cover, you know, because he got blown up and he puked. But uh, <laughs> We got to take it home. Yeah, it was too late at that point, you know. Now, now rewind a few years. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, what is the best rib that you've ever uh, seen or heard uh, happen, uh, you know, since 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 you've been in the business? Oh, instantly, I think of um, Eric Cannon flying back from Dragon Gate USA with a um, suitcase full of silverware from uh, the the restaurant they all partied from the night before. They had taken his uh, gear out and filled his bag with silverware and napkins and everything for off the table from the restaurant. And he flew home with it. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, now I have not been, uh, the victim of a rib, but I have been the ribber, not the ribby or is that the way around? But anyway, I was usually the one pulling the ribs. Right. And so right. I remember the first one that I would pull is um I was like 22 23 and we used to wrestle in Morganton um uh Donnie me so me Donnie a guy named Jeff and a guy named Tony uh the same four that I went out to eat with at Japanese food we all we all went in together one time bought a ring rented a building and ran shows uh up there in Morganton every Saturday night I mean we we packed the place what out building? um I, I can't tell you the name of the place. Uh, all I know is it was downtown Morganton. Uh, you go up this, and, I, and like I said, I don't know the name of the road, but where the roses, where the roses used to be, or it may still be, but where the roses used still to there. be, um, across the road, uh, there was like a little Caesar's pizza, and yep. there, there's a hill that goes straight up, a road that goes straight up a hill. Um, you go up that hill, and now I think it's a uh, it's in a Hispanic uh, grocery store, but it was a okay. big building. It had like a garage, and uh, and so we rented that whole building, and we had an office, and we had a big dressing room, and we had a ring in there, and and we we taped shows, and we and on um so Saturday nights we'd have like uh like like just like a house show, but then we but then Sunday mornings. Uh, we would do TV taping, so because we we were like on Compass Cable there in Morganton, so oh, cool. so we were like stars there, you know. But um, but I remember, you know, we all did that, and um, so so I'm always I'm always pulling ribs. So so when he was doing those shows there, uh, his younger brother was a referee at the time, and he was like twelve or thirteen, fourteen years old in the business, and so. <laughs> Alex, if you listen to the show, I love you, brother. But uh, but we would uh, me, my cousin Mark, my cousin John, and my friend Kenny. We all four traveled together. We all four were wrestlers. I trained all three of them, and um, so we would be having like these Midnight Express caliber matches, Midnight Rock and Roll caliber matches, just high spots after high spots after high spots. And so, but uh, before the show, you know, the show didn't start to like eight o'clock at night, but we'd get there, you know, early, but. We would leave our our town. We, we at the time I lived in a little town called Thomasville, which is about two hours from Morganton. But 
and well, all of us did. And uh, so, so we all lo- load up in my car and we drive to CC's Pizza, and we would gorge ourselves with pizza buffet uh, and uh, garlic bread, and and then we would drive back and and back in this time I was about 160 pounds and flat stomach and you know I was in great shape but I could eat a shit ton of food and never get All fat right. and uh, so we would always have the same ritual we'd always eat at this CC's pizza so by the time we got to the building and by the time our matches came my gas would come and so I would I would have my cousin Mark give me a snap mirror and put me in a reverse chin lock and right as right as he was snap me over, I would let the farts go. Uh-oh. Right, and then as, as soon as I'd go down, he put me in the chin lock. He would turn his head to the side because he knew what I'd done. Because I'd, I'd be laughing, uh-huh. and then the referee would come down to check to make sure he wasn't choking me. And as he's doing it, I'm selling, but I'm fanning the fart up in his face. <laughs> and I would. Yeah, yeah. And I would do that. I would do that every show, you know. And it was so funny. (laughs) But Alex, I'm sorry I did that to you, brother. Uh, So that was he ribbed me. What's oh oh yeah? (laughs) No, that was the old accidental rib, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That yours was an accident. His was on purpose. But um, (laughs) but then uh, then another rib I would do. Um, I remember there was this tag team, uh, and they carried flags to the ring, and so they would uh, prop their flags up and wait for the music to start and I'd sneak up behind them and right before the music start I would grab their flags and I'd hide them and they'd turn around and couldn't find their flags you know they'd get pissed oh, off shit. so then then they'd go to the ring and then when they come back I'd, I'd put their flags back on their bags <laughs> and they never could figure <laughs> out it was me that that was another Damn. rib but the worst rib of all so I was working for this promotion and I've told this story before on the podcast but you but I'm gonna tell it to you so you, you'll hear it um, but I was working for this promoter for this promotion and I, I was like, I, I, I guess, I guess you would call me like, um, uh, my job there was, uh, I mean, I helped him put together the matches, but, uh, he kind of like, like put me in charge of running the locker room and, you know, making sure, making sure the guys were lined up for their next match and whatnot. Well, um, in this building where we used to wrestle at, uh, outside the building was this big, huge metal trash can and now this building um let me paint this picture for you this building used to be like a furniture plant so it had like these big huge exhaust fans that would pull you know the air into the building and right. um so all these people would stand right right outside the door there by that fan and smoke and by them doing that it would pull that the smoke smell into the dressing room and it used to drive me crazy so I decided one day I got to do something to keep them smokers away from that that door or that that uh, a fan. So I right. happened to go to the to the um, flea market that day, and this guy was selling these gag gifts. And in those gag gifts, he had um, these fart bombs. It was me and farts. Mm-hmm. I mean, something about me and farts, right? But it was these fart bombs, and they and the bags of these fart bombs look like Capri Suns. You know the Capri Sun drink. So it looks like yeah. that little pouch like that. And the way the gimmick works is you mash that bag until the little vial inside of it broke. And when it broke, it would fill the bag with air. Then the bag would pop and then it would emit it would emit the fart noise or the fart smell. So, so I bought like a pack of three, it's like three for five bucks, right? So I bought the three. I came home. I'm like, I'm gonna test these out at home first to see how bad they are before I do it at this building, right? 
And so I did it at my house in my trash can. And I was like, oh, this ain't nothing. This don't smell that bad. Whatever. So I popped the second one and it didn't it didn't even work. So like, well, so I had one left. So I bring it to the building that night. And so I look out there and I see everybody, I see all the smokers and the show's about to start. And I walk out there and I pop that bag and I popped it. The, the other two, when I popped them, they filled up really slow and then they popped. This one, as soon as I popped it, it was like, bow, and it blew, like, literally it blew up in my hand. And I threw it in the trash can. This one lady screamed because she thought it was a gun that went off. <laughs> and so I run into the building. You know, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be bad. And I get to the dressing room, and I start putting on my boots. And the promoter, Curtis, comes back there and opens up the door. He's like, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Me and Curtis were back there going over the matches for the night. And the ring announcer would come busting through the, the dressing room door and says, Curtis, some idiot done let a stink bomb off in the arena, and all the people are leaving. I'm like, what? Oh, no. And I'm like, what? And Curtis goes, Tony, you go out there and find out what's going on. So I, as I'm walking out the door, I run over to the bathroom and get the, the air freshener, thinking that's going to take take the smell out of the building. No, it was too bad. Dude, it was like, it, if, if you can imagine that fart I had at the show, 10, <laughs> ten times worse. <laughs> this was. And building. Oh, it was awful, dude. And like the whole building smelt like shit, basically. And so I'm spraying this air fresher. So everybody's like leaving the building, going out in the parking lot, and they realize the smell's even worse out there. And they're like, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "Oh god, if they find that that fart bomb in the trash can, I am done." So right. I run out to the trash can. I th I start throwing more trash. I, I'm like shaking the can up so it's burying this this bag of fart. And so I go back and I, I tell the people, hey, fans, guys, listen, don't leave. We're going to have the building, you know, up, you know, cleaned out here in a second. And, you know, I apologize this happened. And uh, I'm going to find out who did it. And I'm going to make sure, you know, that, that they're barred from the wrestling. And I, walk, yeah. and I walk back to the dressing room and only one wrestler in that building knew I did it. And he was my cousin's husband. So he knew. And, um. So I'm I'm back there. I, I tell Curtis. I said, Curtis, man, I sprayed the air freshener. I said it's going to be okay. I think it's going to you know clear out in a minute. And I, I, people, they're not leaving. He said, Tony, don't you go out there? Don't you find out who the hell threw that threw that fart bomb? And you tell them that because if it's a wrestler, if it's a fan, if it's a custodian, I don't give a shit. But you tell them they're barred from 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 this organization forever. I said. Uh, so I'll see if I can find out who it was, and I'm keeping the straightest face I can keep. All right. And I and and so Curtis turns and walks away, and Henry, which is my cousin's husband, looks at me. He says, "So uh, you gonna fire yourself?" <laughs> and but but, yeah, but you know I have a heart of gold, and so I'm sitting there going, "Okay, my wrestling career is over if I tell Curtis that I'm the one that did the fart bomb." But if I don't tell him. Cause he's been my friend forever and day and I trained him too. I got him in the business and I'm like, you know, but my heart is like, I can't, I can't sleep at night knowing that I did that and he don't know I did it, you know? So, uh, five years go by, took my heart five years before I could come clean. And once he was at, once I knew he was out of the wrestling business and he was, he didn't care about wrestling anymore and whatever. I was like, Curtis, man, I, I, I have a confession to make to you. And he goes, Oh Yeah. I said, yeah. He goes, is there anything about a about a fart bomb? And I was like, what? He's like, brother, 
I knew that was your ass from the day from the time it happened. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no. oh. I said, man, I'm so sorry. He said, brother, I knew that was you. He said, because only you have that have that sick mind that you think farts are the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, not always. But but, awesome. but even in this statement, I still like the pool ribs. Like like I now I think one of the best ribs I've ever heard is um <laughs> And uh, and when when we go off the air, I will tell you a Dennis Condry rib. I'm not gonna tell it on. I'm not gonna tell it on the podcast, but I will tell you <laughs> after the podcast. But uh, some other ribs that I, I I've heard of that's happened in the past that uh, I think is pretty funny is Kurt Henning used to you know when when they go to other buildings and they'd be locker rooms. He would he would go around the locker rooms and pull on the padlocks. That, that that was on the lockers, and if he could find a padlock that that wasn't locked, and he could take it off, he would grab some of the boys' boots and and uh, take the lock and lock them together, like oh, like, like 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 uh, through you know like like lock them together hey, through through lace through, hole through lace, lace hole. hole. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, that that's that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty thought out. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's rotten. But but I love it. Great River. So uh, Jr. was said one time that the uh, the greatest rib that Owen pulled on him was uh, he was looking for his briefcase, all all TV taping. Where's my damn briefcase? Where's my damn briefcase? And Owen's like, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. And it's it's above him the whole time. It's glued to the ceiling. Oh, that's and funny. <laughs> everything to look up, you know, for his briefcase. Um. There were, all the boys were laughing because he's running around the locker room fl- flipping shit over, trying to look underneath shit, looking under everybody's stuff. Where's my pretty face? And it's above him the whole time, just glued to the ceiling. D- Dustin Rhodes, um, Dustin Rhodes told told a funny rib one time that uh, they were at Harley Race's house and uh, having a barbecue, and uh, Owen was there, and uh, Owen went in and switched out um, Harley Race's barbecue sauce with t- with with hot sauce. And he said Harley, he said Harley was chasing Owen all over the house for hours trying to get him. <laughs> I would be running too. You know, be caught by Harley Race. Oh no way, man! No way. That that was a tough man. That did, was a hard, that was a did, tough son of a did there. did uh, did you ever get to meet Harley? No, I I met him in two thousand six uh, down in South Carolina at a show, and by this time, you know his his health was starting to decline, but he was still Harley Race, man. <laughs> And uh, I went over and hung out with him for a little bit and talked to him. And uh, and he told me, he's like, kid, you want to be a wrestler? You better gain another 100 pounds. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah. And even then, I was like 170, 180. But you kid. I, 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 just love, I just love the way he talks, though. Kid. All right. You want to be a wrestler? That's not a bad art. You got you to gotta put on another 100 pounds. <laughs> you want to be a wrestler? <laughs> <laughs> but man, Harley was the man, though. Yes, he was. Who was your favorite uh, NWA World Champ? Ric Flair uh, was my favorite, but uh, but 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 see, I, I never really got to see Harley race as the World Champion because I was I was already I wasn't watching wrestling then. I, ne- I never started watching wrestling until like '83, uh, and right. by that time, Flair was already the World Champion, and Harley Race was just that- like you know I don't know who Harley Race was because. Because it's it almost like it seemed like when Harley Race lost the title to to to, to Flair at Starcade. Um, now th- this this may not be true, just from me from my perspective. Like 
like I never saw him again. Like I never saw him on TV anymore until right. like until like eight, until like eighty six. Yeah, and and then. Right. 85, 86 or something. 885, early 86, he started showing up in uh, WCW and World Championship Wrestling. No, no. I never saw him again until, like, I saw him lose to Flair, but I never saw him again until he popped up on WWF as the king of the ring, Harley Race. Remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. So that that was last time I saw him, you know. Ring or No. But I will tell you this, the very first or the second wrestler that I ever spoke to was Harley Race. Um, the way the way that went down was um, I was in high school, and this was like probably two years before I started training and really got into wrestling. But, um, but WCW was floundering. It was not drawn worth nothing. They were trying to give away tickets and everything, and so they came and done a house show at the Greensboro Coliseum. And that was the first time that I had saw wrestling live since 1988. So it'd been a long time. It was like 88 to like 93 or I'm sorry. No, wow. no 92. And um, so, or 91, uh, whatever year that Ron Simmons was the world champion, that was, that was when this was, uh, is, is when this happened. But, um, but anyway, uh, WCW came to Greensboro, and uh, and I went there with 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 my, with a girlfriend and her friend and her and her boyfriend, and uh, so we're like standing, you know, in our seats. I'm looking around, and this place is not sold out at all; like it's empty. And uh, so I look over, and I see Johnny B. Bad. And he's just standing there on the side, you know. And I saw so I walk over to him, and I said, "Hey, you know, can you sign my my ticket stub?" He goes, "Yeah, I'd be glad to." So he signs it. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, man, what do you got to do to be a wrestler? And he's like, well, first you got to build your body. So you go join a gym and you, you beef up and then, uh, you know, call around and you'll, 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 you know, you'll find a wrestling school. I'm like, okay. So I walked away and I'm like, well, I ain't got no chance. I'm tiny as hell. And I'm always going to be tiny. So we watched the show show the show's over. We leave the show. We go to, uh, a gas station and I'm sitting there pumping gas in my, in my car and I look over and I see this maroon Chevrolet Lumina pulling in. And I see this funky haircut. And I'm like, what the hell? I look. And I'm like, that's Van Vader. Because at the time, Vader, Harley Race was Van Vader's manager. And they were in that, it was a six man main event. It was Vader, uh, Steve Austin, and um, let's see, Vader, Steve Austin, and Rick Rude against Sting, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and. Um, uh, Ron Simmons. So, uh, anyway, so I see them at the gas station and man, I put the gas and I run over to Harley race and he sees me coming and he kayfaze me. He gets back in the car and shuts the door and I'm like, shit. Oh. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not. And, and he weighs me off, like going to go to hell on kid, you know? So I walk on into the gas station and, uh, and I walk in and there's Vader with like four, of these suitcases of natural light four, and he's, he's got two up on the counter and he's got two more in his hand. And, and he's got these two, these, these two Rizats are in there talking to him and, and they're talking right. to him about the hotel, you know, what hotel room he's staying at where he needs to come to. And he's telling the girls and he happens to look over his shoulder and he sees me standing there looking like a Mark. And, uh, he looks at me, he goes, <laughs> he goes, Hey, and he tells the girls, Shh. and he goes, Hey kid, 
He said, uh, how old are you? And I said, I'm, I'm 17 or 18, whatever it was. He said, you see all this beer? I said, yeah. He goes, you see these women? I said, yeah. He goes, stay away from both of them. He said, they'll wreck your life. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, Hello, I was like, yeah. I said, sir, can I get your autograph? He says, I tell you what, buddy. He said, you let me pay for this beer and get rid of these women. And you meet me outside the car and I'll sign it for you. I said, okay. I said, can you get Mr. Race to sign it for me too? He said, He's in a bad mood. He ain't gonna sign anything. He's I can't even get him to sign me a check, you know. And he was oh. it, and he was so down to earth, you know. And I was like, okay. Right. And so, uh, but but this was like '92, so I'm sure they uh, race, which is he was just staying in character, man. He he, he wasn't breaking kayfabe. He right. you know he was a bad guy, and he wanted me to know he's a bad guy. But but Vader was nice enough, and he signed a piece of paper, Vader, and everything, and. And, uh, and I was like, man, I just met two, I met three f- wrestlers, you know, and I, and I thought I was big time, hey. but, uh, but, but man, it's it, like from that day, I never would have known where my life would went to and, I, and how many wrestling stars and how many names I've got to work with, be on a show with, talk right. with, get advice from, um, and it, it, and it all started, you know, from, from, from that night. So you, you never know where you're going to be. Absolutely. And I, I want to, I want to leave you with this brother. You are a name. You are a star. Well, I appreciate that, but I, I'm, I'm only a star in my own mind. <laughs> when I got to the venue that day and, uh, actually it started, I was at my shoot job and I got a message from Mr. Elliot as well that said, I need you to wrestle Tony Bench. And I said, no problem. Mm-hmm. Without even thinking, I I knew from I I'd already heard your name, I'd already seen you work, I knew this is this is going to be a night off for me. Yeah, and and you actually told me that when you do when you when you introduced yourself to me, and I said, oh brother, I said we're, we're we're gonna have a fun night. It's gonna be easy, uh, and and we had a good match, and 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 I'm hoping that that we get booked again. Uh, to work each other again, or even do a tag match, because I, 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 I just, I just feel like our chemistry is just like, like you and I work the same, and we work, you know, we work alike, and I, I and I, I think whether we're against each other or a tag, I, I think that we'll have, or I know that that we're gonna have great chemistry. Absolutely, I agree wholeheartedly. Now I know through this podcast we've we've like shared stories and stuff, but the one thing I I didn't ask you and haven't asked you yet, how like how did you get involved in wrestling? Like 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 how what 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 got you uh, wanting to be a wrestler? What uh, wanting to be a wrestler? Uh, I really seeing uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, my favorite wrestler is actually Bret Hart and watching those matches growing up and. Um, the the feeling of they were larger than life, and uh, like it was, I've always had this uh, this connection with wrestling for some reason. It, it's always been my comfort. It's always mm-hmm. been a, a thing a thing that I I just feel like I connect with the, the emotional part of it, and um, I understand it. I think as a business now that I'm I I I wrestle and I and I. And I got the, the chance to be in the business. I, I understand it as a, we're in a business of emotions and, and, and oh, yeah. emotion equals money. And, and 
this is a business and a lot of people make a very, very comfortable living doing this. And then there's guys like, you know, uh, us who, who are weekend warriors, you know, maybe we don't wrestle during the week, but we give it our damn all on the weekend and we're weak. We're rock stars then, well, you well, know, and well, you know, it, it goes back to what you said earlier about it being a drug. Uh, and that's, and to me wrestling now, like, like when, when I was younger in my twenties, even in my thirties, um, I had this hope and, and aspiration of working for WCW. That was always my dream. Like I wanted a job working for WCW. Um, and, and, but then once I got into the business and learned how the business works and everything and started really, really knowing how to work the crowd and, and put a match together and get those, you know, get, get all those emotions. Like, like you can't, what a lot of people can't understand. And, and I, and I, and like, 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 and, I, and I'm sure you get the same thing when, when I'm telling the average Joe, a story of an, of an experience to happen with me in wrestling. It's like, they look at you like you from a different planet. Like, there's no way that really happened. There's no way you feel that way. Like bull, yes. Because yes, there is very... because even now at wrestling for 30 years, I still get goosebumps. I still get butterflies when I'm at that curtain Absolutely. and I hear my music playing and and there's and they're there until I take my first or second bump. That's Excuse it. me, and then they go away. But but um Nothing like it. but I was always but I've always heard and I believe this, when the day comes that you go to that curtain and you don't get goosebumps and you don't get butterflies, then don't go it don't don't go through that curtain because you have now lost all of your desire and your love for this business. And and it, nothing you do at that point is gonna matter. Where, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I don't I don't do this anymore uh in hopes of being the champion or anything like that. I do it in hopes of like I I get I get a thrill off of having a match with somebody and then they come to me and say, Tony, man, thank you so much for that match. Like, like, like our match went and, and, and how you said to me uh, a couple of years ago, I worked a match uh, for this company and they were doing a fundraiser for this high school. And they said, Tony, um, th this is what, what, what we want you to do. We're going to put you in the ring with these two teachers who know nothing about wrestling. So I need you to like, give them a, a an okay match. So the promoters were expecting me a lot. Yeah. The the, the, <laughs> the promoters were expecting us to have like a, you know, a gimmick match basically where they didn't right. do anything. But I worked with these guys for like two and a half, three hours and taught them the basics, the basic, uh, basic enough to get them through a match. But that, right. but that basic stuff I taught them had people walking up to me going, Tony, What'd you do? What do you mean? What I do, man? How long have those guys been wrestling? I don't know. Two hours. I don't know. <laughs> you know. And even the the rap the, the the I say wrestler the teachers came up to me and they said, Tony, man, thank you. I can't thank you enough, man. You, you, tonight you let me you let me live out my dream, and my wife is mad at me because she thinks I've been going to wrestling school when I tore I was I was at work. <laughs> Like, you know, and, but, but, but hearing stuff like that, it makes my head swell big, not, not, oh, it makes not you feel good. but it makes me feel good. That's what I mean. 
but because yeah. because I am now like I see that and I see the joy in that person's face, and I see right. I see me when I was nineteen years old and I had my first match. So so it so it's like you know you get I'm giving back to what I had. You know what I mean? And and that, nothing makes me feel better than than doing that. And until all the everybody and then I say everybody and then what I mean is until all the goofs learn what the business is about, we need more Tonys in the business. Yeah. Right. 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 And 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 <laughs> more, that's, more and, older guys are going to stick around and teach these these new guys uh, what what it's all about. And it's not just all about uh, drop kicks and moonsaults and 15 triple flips off a rope and all that it's it's about making people feel the way we felt when we watched wrestling right yeah exactly and and that's and that's the way you know and and that's 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 what gives me my joy now like like i have no aspirations of being a champion i have no aspirations of going to wwe or anywhere else but i do have aspirations of 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 helping somebody live their dream or have them have the best match on the show or not even the best match on the show, but a good match and something that they're proud Absolutely. of. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that, and that's, that's, that, that's all I want to do. And hopefully have a good run, uh, you know, cause like, like I've always like my whole wrestling career up until the last few years has always been tag team wrestling. Like I am, I will tell you, I am a good tag team wrestler. I know how to come up with some really cool double team stuff and, and, and how to sell it and, and everything. But um, and so I'm looking forward to hopefully doing that one day, and hopefully you know maybe we can get it put together. You and I can do that. But uh, but uh, you know everybody, you know I've been doing it for 30 years. Um, I don't know if I've I don't know how many more years I got, but I know I'm gonna go until I can look myself in the mirror and go, you're done. <laughs> you know what I mean? So absolutely, that's where I'm at though. But, uh, we can still feel good about it. Yeah, exactly, and that, and that's that, and that's that's the bottom line. That's that, and that, that's really all I care about. Well, man, is is there anything else that that you want to um, plug or 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 talk about before we end the show? Uh, right now, I just, I got uh, Sino Evil Wrestling a couple shows coming up. Um, let me, I got dates right here. Let me get them for you. See No Evil Wrestling on September 23rd is the next show you can catch Kamikaze Conrad at. I want to thank Tony Benj and the Binge Buster Show for having me on, man. And uh, I look forward to getting in the ring with you soon and doing this again. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, man. You're welcome. Thanks for being on the show. and Thanks for your time. And uh, fans out there, uh, listen to our show. Don't forget to go like our Facebook page. Uh, now, uh, uh Conrad, do uh do do uh you you have like a, like a fan page on Facebook or anything like uh, that that you want to plug? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me uh Kamikaze Conrad on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm also on Twitter, the Twitter machine at Kamikaze Conrad. That is great. Well, well, fans, make sure that you uh go 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 like his pages, go like our pages, and uh, when you like our page, uh, also. Uh, I have very few left, but if you look on the uh, Binge Buster Facebook page, uh, we still have a few of those um, Slam Buddies are still available. So all you women out there that always want to sleep with me, here's your opportunity. All you men out there that always want to beat me up, here's your opportunity. 
Uh, buy you a slam buddy and I will autograph it. I will send it to you. I will do whatever you want me to do with it. And, uh, but, uh, but I have very few left. Um, when, when, when I first got the shipment in, my son took the first one and, uh, and he still has it. So, uh, you know, who knows, maybe one day he'll sell his for double price. I'm sure he would. That's the kind of person he is. <laughs> no, no, but uh, but uh, he'll definitely keep his. But uh, but I do have a few left. So if anybody interested in those, they're they're still available. Um, t-shirts. We'll have t-shirts available here in the next few weeks with our new logo. Uh, those will be available. But uh, but man, Conrad, thank you again for coming on the show and and telling your story. Uh, listen to me ramble on and tell my stories. But uh, but man, I have really enjoyed t- t- the show today. I really, really enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much again for having me on, Tony. It was a blast, and it was my pleasure. You're welcome, my friend, and you take care. And fans, we'll see you next week here on the Binge Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.